Hi, and welcome back to the 3PL Summit. We have an exciting day planned out for you. And yet again, we have an exciting guest here joining me. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm the executive publisher here at Freightwaves. And joining me right now is Michael Johnson. He's the executive vice president of strategy at Redwood. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. Great. So what we're going to talk about now is something that, that we both, we're both passionate about. We both like talking about it. And that is is building carrier networks, you know, in that 3PL, 4PL strategy, freight broker strategy, building your own carrier network. And specifically after the last 12, 15, 18 months, uh, really since um, May, June of 2020, capacity has been tight. It's been difficult for new drivers to, 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 to get hired within the industry. It's hard for new trucks to be delivered, used truck prices or double what they are. All of those training schools as well, I can't forget those. Those uh, took, took a real hit uh, during the pandemic and are just really struggling still to get back up to full capacity to hire, or not to hire, but to train those new drivers. So it's been very difficult getting new capacity. Retail sales have jumped 30% in 12, 15 months uh, as well. And um, it's a challenging environment, right? Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, two years ago, um, the supply chain was hit with just massive um, network dislocations that, frankly, the supply chain is still trying to rebuild. I think a lot of the the durability we had with our, our carrier um, route alignment to shipper networks um, was destabilized so much. And it's caused a lot of change. And, and to your point, you know, shippers, 3PLs, and carriers are still working to, to get the supply chain to a more optimal level of working order. Yeah, it, it, for, for those of us who remember back in, you know, late 2017, 2018, early 2018, the new normal everybody was talking about, you had this tight, vasty framework going on, but it ended very quickly. You know, six, nine months, it was over with. We were down on the downtrend, and then we had 2019, which was, you know, no volatility, you know, O-try, you know, tender rejections were down 4 or 5%. They've spent, they've just recently come down just just below uh, 19% for uh, a week or so. So it is, um, it's kind of a lot of good technology out there that, that people are developing for, um, you know, in-house and, and third-party vendors on on managing your carrier network, building that, building carrier relationships, and, and the importance of that. Yeah, no, you bet. And and I do want to go back to to what you said. You know, the year has started, and tender rejections are still high. Like, I think that's a good proxy for where the industry is at solving some of the problems longer term. Um, even looking back at January, we recorded the highest level of demand in our market in over two decades, you know, really, I think since we've been tracking it. So um, it's been sort of a incredibly volatile market to navigate. And you're right, like the the number of new technology tools coming onto the scene um, really is proliferated. You know, we've we've talked a lot about the hype of digitizing the supply chain and, you know, creating marketplaces for, um, you know, smaller carriers and fleets to navigate and find freight. But I think, you know, 
I, I think maybe that's just one side of the equation, right? Is freight tech is only as good as the relationships that freight tech enables and the data feeding into freight technology. And so, um, you know, going back on, on your question, you know, about the importance of developing, you know, high fidelity carry relationships, they're critical. They're critical to enable the full technology or the, the full potential rather of, you know, a, a digital supply chain and what that means. Automating predictable outcomes is a lot easier than automating volatility and automating transactional relationships. Um, and so for that reason, you know, large companies like Redwood, large shippers, like this has really forced us into stronger collaboration with our carrier partners to understand good network alignment. It's really about finding consistent um, alignment between the carrier partners we work with and the shippers we work with and, and, and with shippers and carriers as well to drive higher levels of utilization. And that's, that's really a goal I think every participant in the supply chain is, is striving for. I, I think you're right. I think it's the, the relationship-based freight, that consistent freight project, RFP, uh, ongoing kind of, kind of you know, sewing, sewing machine kind of freight is how we always describe it, right? You just, you just throw it in and you know what carriers carrier you're going to go with, with this load and it's just consistent and you're, you're just doing kind of the, the back end paperwork because you've already got all your, your chess pieces, let's say, laid out. Yeah, no, no question. And, and frankly, that's where automation and freight technology can come into play is we can drive, um, you know, less friction between our, our operations, between all parties when we have those predictable outcomes. Um, and so, you know, having a carrier-centric mindset is what will fuel that. And building relationships, managing them, building networks from those relationships, and then operationalizing it. And I think, you know, the shippers we're working with, and certainly at Redwood, what we're focused on is aligning where we apply focus. You know, just like the freight tech space has become, it's proliferated over the last two years. There is so much attention and money coming in to our space to, to solve the problem. And the reality is, I think it's going to be, you know, half technology, but half collaboration and, and relationship relationships driving the success of you know, where the supply chain goes from here. Yeah, we're talking about predictability. We're talking about freight tech and tools. It's still a relationship-based business. It's still a people business where the, the tech enables you to, just like sales leads. I mean, the call series, carrier salespeople, carrier salespeople for a reason. Uh, having the, the, the right leads or, or automating, connecting with, a group of carriers allows your team to, to focus more on on the human element, you know, that relationship, developing that relationship. And, and all, it all kind of starts from having fair market rates. To totally agree. And, you know, the, the word of caution I would I would, you know, share with with my competitors, carriers and, and shippers is, you know, be be mindful of um the, the short game, you know, be mindful of the transactional relationships that are easy to find right now, because longer term, it's hard to add value with those relationships. They, 
will come and go. And I think the winners in our space, um, whether you're a shipper or a 3PL or a carrier, are really focused on the long-term alignment right now, understanding how um, you know we can add value in a less transactional nature, less commoditized way um, for long-term success. And, th- and that's really, that's good for everybody is, you know, durable relationships, durable um, capacity from, from the carrier side means predictable outcomes to your point and predictable rates as well. So that should help um, you know, stabilize some of the rate volatility and just the rate inflation we've seen accelerate over the last 18 months. Do you, do you think all the, the freight tech in the space that's coming in for carry management, for procurement, uh, automating uh, a lot of uh, systems, do you think that is propelling uh, 3PLs and freight brokers just to, to move more toward consistent, predictable outcomes? Or is it being pushed into the transactional space and making that a little bit even more chaotic than it always is. Yeah, I certainly, I think it's a combination of both. There's certainly this elixir about, you know, digitizing supply chain. It's it's such a buzzword. It's such a huge topic, but it doesn't go as deep as it needs to in, in terms of um, defining the why. The why is digitizing high fidelity relationships and predictable cost outcomes. And to your point, there are a lot of new companies that I think are moving part of the industry towards the transactional relationships, whether it's you know public marketplaces or so forth. Digitizing those transactions, I don't think solves the, the big problem. That's not where the industry um you know, needs to seek value, in my opinion. It's it's broader than that. And it's really about um, propelling really high levels of network utilization, which will in turn help on the, the supply side as well. If we can utilize our tractor base today more effectively, um, naturally what we'll see is we start to solve some of the supply side constraints that we've been faced with over the last two years. And when we say utilization, what we're talking about uh, is headhaul, backhaul pairs. Pairing the, those headhauls with backhauls and, and balancing that, that network out to where the, the wheels are always turning. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And, um, you know, one of the upshots I will say that is, you know, really, um, you know, new to the industry is just there is so much more open collaboration, um, not just between, you know, 3PLs and carriers and 3PLs and shippers, but I would say across parties too. There's collaboration or co-opetition between 3PLs right now to help solve the problem. And and shippers are also um, working together to find where synergies exist to drive more of that alignment um, that, you know, is is so good in terms of um, reducing some of that waste you described in the the empty miles that might exist between, you know, head halls and back halls. Mm-hmm. But when you look at automation and carrier management tools of freight tech that's coming in, what, what's the, the, the one, the, the one real need that maybe, maybe it hasn't, maybe it has been addressed, maybe it hasn't, but that it's really, really hasn't been fulfilled yet where, where there's improvement and maybe it's the, the a good first or second step in, in a process of, we'll use the buzzword here, digitizing the supply chain, right? Uh, kind of that low-hanging fruit. 
Yeah, you know, we still have a major gap in um, just system interoperability. So, um, you know, over the last year or two, you've seen, um, you know, more information shared about how 3PLs are working with, with shippers to digitize capacity through rating APIs and the agility that can provide to shippers. I think that's a really good first step. Um, but I think we also need to advance um, in, in how we share information with one another. And so, you know, when we work with our carriers, we're, we're looking to understand where they have gaps from a long-term perspective, but also where they have gaps um, for some of their transactional routes or their, um, you know, surge uh, freight that they're moving that they do need backhauls from. And a lot of that capacity data today, it's either captured in a public load board, which, again, I think offers more transactional value for for, for all parties. Um, but it would be really good to see the, the, the supply chain move towards, um, you know, shared capacity locations. And so um, when we think about that, it's, it's a similar product um, that 3PLs are providing shippers with the rating API today, but from carriers to 3PLs and carriers to shippers. And I think I think that will make us all a lot more efficient, too. It'll reduce phone calls and, and emails and, and some of the the overhead that goes into optimizing those relationships today. Yeah, I think one of the, the limits, too, uh, of a lot of, I want to say a lot of technologies or marketplaces is that, that broker carrier agreement or that motor carrier agreement and, and kind of the, the the legal ease that needs to go into that for safely vetting carriers. Uh, everyone kind of has different standards. And, um, and, and then you run into, uh, you know, fraudulent activity, double brokering, and there's legal, legal ease-its, right? And, um, and, and that's, that's always a, a hard barrier to overcome, is making a marketplace where you have carriers that, that each 3PL and shipper can use and, and have trust in. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's a topic we discuss internally a lot, especially in the current demand environment. You've actually seen fragmentation increase um, in our mm -hmm. space as it relates to carriers. So there are more of those smaller fleets now than there were three years ago. And you bring up a, a, a really important concern is what is the vetting process? How is that risk being reduced? Um, and how can it be reduced and contained within, um, you know, some of these marketplace channels that exist? Are those really good for shippers um, from a value and from a, a partnership perspective? Or is there a better way? Is there a way for 3PLs to, to work with the small fleets um, like we try to do and understand, you know, we don't want to move you from point A to point B. We want to understand how we can work with you throughout the year because we complement your network or we work with several shippers that can keep you moving throughout the week. And then there's predictable revenue. And with predictable revenue, you can scale a business. Um, so I think, you know, understanding ways to add value, again, thinking about the long game is so important. And for a shipper, you know, that's why 3PL relationships, the right ones are key is they can augment your capacity side with thousands of small and medium-sized fleets that are harder to find, but critical um, in the long game in terms of, you know, finding the right partner 
to fit the gaps in, in their network. And, and predictable outcomes, uh, you, you mentioned again that it just got me thinking uh, about how developing those relationships, recording those, not recording conversations, but, but, but you know, really understanding what a carrier wants and, and where they need to go and fitting within their network, you're creating your own proprietary data right there that you can use to have uh, kind of a hand in the predictability of those outcomes. You know, it, it gives you a, a chance to really control your own destiny if, if what you're doing is, is really taking good notes when you're developing those relationships and using those notes to, to book future loads and to match, you know, utilization of those headhaul, backhaul lanes. Yeah, you're spot on. And it and it works on both sides of the equation, right? Is understanding where, you know, our our liquidity of capacity exists from those those conversations. And then taking that and understanding where our prospecting and our customer targeting needs to be so that we're offering something of real value that's tangible. It's very asset light, it's predictable. Um, and typically with those types of dedicated or private fleet or just specialized relationships, there's a lot more flexibility that, that improves the outcomes for everybody. There's typically less dwell time. There's drop trailer flexibility. Um, there's a lot of benefits that ultimately just reduce waste on the operations side for everyone involved. Yeah, and I, I love the term liquidity of capacity. I use that all the time too. Uh, kind of that finance background, I suppose. So, um, but yeah, Michael, it's, it's been great talking to you here at the 3PL Summit. And um, how do how does our audience reach out and, and learn more about Redwood and yourself and, and contact you directly? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, obviously, you feel free to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or through my email address, mjohnson at redwoodlogistics.com. Um, and Kevin, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Same here. Same here. Anytime. We'll talk again very soon. Uh, everyone else, stay tuned. We have uh, so we have more exciting content here at the 3PL Summit.